0: Welcome to another episode of The Turn Up For What Podcast, talking your Houston Texans straight from the Great British Isles, the face of the NFL seems like it's changed in a week since we last spoke to you, trades, free agency signings, high priced ones at that, particularly in the division, and of course... A pending trade that we're perhaps standing on the precipice of that will probably change the face of Houston sports for a long, long while if all goes to plan. But to try and run this one through me this week, Cody Johnson, Mr. Football Lone Star on Twitter. Cody, how are you doing first time on the show? Thanks for joining us.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm doing well, man. I appreciate you having me on. I really look forward to it.
0: No, we said we were going to do this. I think we had a bit of a kind of draft exchange and we'll see if we we can squeeze that in, uh, time permitting. Uh talking about this so we recorded last tuesday Corey, right and uh at that point we were just talking about free agency you know didn't really know all these plans that were being made at the combine um of which there were many and uh right. so if you if you go right back to the russell wilson carson Wentz trades that were you know one was an underpay i think one was an overpay um in their own right what did you sort of make of them
1: so the wilson deal i felt i felt was fair comp i i look at it like a lot like this uh matthew stafford last year went for one first and a third and then the the second first that detroit got was to take on golf's contract right so wilson taking two first two seconds and three players felt pretty fair, mainly because of his age obviously wilson's a much better player than stafford he's gonna be a hall of famer um but being 34 years old this year really played into that for me. Um, I think it was, was what I'm looking for. Like, it was uh, undervalued by some who thought that he should have gone for more. But teams really do look into the age thing when they're trading for players, especially quarterbacks, because you don't know how long they'll last, even though they have been lasting longer. you got guys like, obviously, Brady and Rodgers. Um, but I thought it was fair comp. I uh, I liked where he went. I mean, I like Denver's situation for him. I thought it was good. Um, but I thought it was fair comp um and then you said the Carson Wentz trade right I no I was surprised I guess that they I mean I was kind of surprised that he even went for what he did uh two-thirds and then one-third was able to become a second um he didn't play like horribly last year but he's always had even in Philadelphia those situations where he wasn't much of a leader I guess you could say like Philadelphia played better the team played better when uh who uh who is that backup that won the Super Bowl for him? Nick Foles. Yeah, yeah. Nick Foles. Yeah. So he's always had those kind of issues. So I was kinda of surprised, but uh I, I liked both the deals. Yeah, very emotional. Yeah.
0: Yeah, um, I think so. Days, I, I suppose um, I mean it's pertinent to the Texans right ball now ball in terms game, of framing uh what the market is, is willing to, to bear, I think, and, and kind of understand like what the current value is. And I don't and I think it's you know it's a case by case basis, but I mean I think I think the the coasted well to get out from underneath that contract and I was kind of struggling to see why uh, you know the commanders as to call them by the right name I would take that would take that trade on um so you know I think it was a it was an interesting one um, obviously we're in the midst of free agency today um as in the second day of illegal tampering um a lot of big contracts handed out at the top end um, of the market. Uh, what have you made of that? Certainly, uh, our divisional neighbors, Jacksonville, have been handing out some pretty rich deals. Brandon Sheriff sort of breaking the doors of the market for Gardner, certainly getting up there next to Joe Tooney. And uh, the Christian Kirk one was about a head scratcher.
1: Yeah, it definitely was. Uh, I get what they're trying to do. Obviously, trying to build right now while uh, Lawrence is on a rookie contract and give him the weapons and line he needs, uh, stuff like that. I thought Sheriff was, obviously, you had to overpay for him but I thought it was a good move for them to protect uh, Lawrence. And then they signed, boy, you say, Lewicon on defense, who I also really liked. I got a little bit more than I thought, and I thought it made sense before they released Miles Jack because I figured those two would be your linebacker tandem. Um, But then they went and released Jack to save some money today, so I was also – I'm not really sure how that's going to work out because I don't think a Lewicon's a Mike. I I don't think he's going to replace what Jack was doing. Um, But, yeah, the Christian Kirk one – I know the overall money is kind of um, misleading, I guess we can say, because I know, I think there's, um, you know, where they, the last two years, there's no money guaranteed and then they can just cut you after that. Oh yeah, voidable
0: uh, years. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Voidable years. Yes. Thank you. So, um, yeah, but yeah, they did pay him like that contract looked like more of what you would give Alan Robinson as opposed to a Christian Kirk, in my opinion. I didn't really, that was a head scratcher for sure.
0: Yeah, no, I think so. I think it seems uh. That seems kind of a a, stra- a strange word, but I, I, I think the, there's a fallacy, I think, with free agency that if you spend big, you're the team that's done the best. And I think, you, you know, history's told us that year upon year, that if you spend big, guarantee, you know, 60, 70% of these guys will be, you know, up for cuts or restructures within two years. So it's flashy, it makes headlines, but it's not necessarily the, w- the way to sustainably kind of run your ball club, right? And I think that's uh, it's kind of something that, that we've been interested in. Obviously, there was um, some looming cuts for the Texans um, with uh, just being announced in the last couple of hours of Marcus Cannon and uh, Terence, um, which I call him Stephen on the podcast last week, um, the, the the Walmart receiver, according, according to uh, according to the QB coach. But, um, but Quincy Avery, yeah. But um, yeah, so Terrence Mitchell and Marcus Cannon, both kind of obvious ones. Um, there seems to be quite a few in the pipeline that haven't, been cut so far, um and, and look, there's a there's a, a big domino here for everybody involved, right? um But what did you make of those two cuts? And I think Cannon uh, is the another net or another trade that Casario's made that's not really worked out all that well.
1: Yeah, I agree. I, I kind of expected that cut. I'm surprised they didn't really do it over the weekend. That they did it uh, the beginning of this week, but that's when I expected that trade didn't make sense. Like you're just saying, it didn't make sense when he did it. Uh, I don't really get what the point of it was. I guess to play him at right tackle and move Titus inside, maybe they thought that was the best idea. But I'm not sure that made a lot of sense. Um, And then it was the wide receiver. I actually didn't even see that today um, at work, but also someone that's easily replaceable. Um, The one that I'm not really sure I understood was restructuring um, Eric Murray. I thought he should have been just straight cut as well because I hmm. would have saved another five million. But they restructured him. Not sure what the price looks like now. Um, but yeah, the first two makes sense. The last one, Eric Murray. I guess for depth reasons, you kept them because you didn't keep Reed, obviously. But I'm not. I'm not. That didn't make sense to me.
0: Yeah. No. I think so. It's uh, it's a straight, a strange one. Um, and the interest time time this week, we'll, probably touch upon a, a lot more of the transactions and free agency. Once that sells, it's still coming in as we're speaking right now. So it's kind of hard to, to kind of keep up for it, but right. just touching on Justin Reed, I think it's a good point. Um, I was asked to write a, a, a sort of section for a website today. Um, and you know, the email and say, could you write, you know, a couple of hundred words or, on, uh, on Justin Reed and they gave me a, a bunch of bullet points to write and, uh, I kind of struggled to be honest because he's he's kind of a a guy who, you know, I personally you you are delighted from, um, you know, he got what was it three years thirty one million uh, I like think eighteen nineteen guaranteed with the Kansas City Chiefs so he's in a good spot he's got a chance to go and win a ring and um, you know it'll it'll probably be similar to to his early years um, in Houston because he's kind of seen the peaks and the troughs you know within the four year span he got here just at the end of the good times I suppose. Um, but you know I, I I wish him all the best but there's a, a part of me that I just think well you know what was he you know okay his best play is probably the, the hit in the playoff game or the pick six return in his rookie year um, right. in uh, in Washington but you know I, I, I couldn't think of a time where you know he really dominated for weeks on end I know injuries played a part one of the questions I was asked well, what's his dominant trait what's his weaknesses and what's his game like and I said well I don't think he's really got any glaring weaknesses as such Um I think he's a free safety, he wants to play as a box. I don't know how he's going to mesh in that cover one, disguise cover two, robber kind of formation that basically Tyron Matthew, who looks like he's on his way out freelance. So I don't know if he's going to play next to one Thornhill and how they see those roles rotating um, as part of that scheme there. But yeah, I, it's a shame to lose him. And I think when you're in a position that like we are, where you you're bereft of talent you know people start to think more of what's left you know and it's just a natural reaction right and uh it just seemed like it just seemed like he never really ever realized his potential partly through health but at the same time I I still don't know truly what kind of player he is um or or nor have anybody seen the best of him so the upside may be there or he may have just found his level up as a pro but what's your sort of reflections on Justin Reed because I always think when you see, you know, the ultimately the 2018 premier pick of that draft class, albeit the top of the third round, uh, when you don't retain your guys, it's always, you know, always worth a bit of reflection.
1: Right. And, and you know, I, you put it a good way and I really agree. He was, he was good at mostly everything, but he wasn't great at any of those, those things he was trying to do, you know, so. I kind of always expect them to walk after the season, especially after he got sat mid season and all the stuff that's obviously going on, gone on over the past few years. Um, like you just said as well, man, he was probably best as a rookie when he wasn't, asked to start and he was just running alongside kareem jackson and tyron and stuff like that but like also want to point out what you said man what what kind of safety is he Because uh, there was a point where he's stuffing leonard fournette at the line of uh, the line of scrimmage in the red zone and then he's putting his head down trying to tackle uh, i'm sorry nick chubb and in, in, in cleveland you know yeah it, it was very weird and he doesn't have the range to be like a single high safety like you were just saying so I'm. I'm interested to see how they use him. I'm not really upset that he walked. I thought his price was fair. What was it like? Ten million a year, right?
0: Yeah, uh, just shy of that. Yeah, so he's probably on the lower end of I think, or it's probably on the upper end of where he thought he was going to be, uh, or where definitely where the Texans were going to pay him.
1: Yeah, yeah, I yeah, I agree. So it wasn't like a horrible contract for them. I'm just I'm curious to see how they use him. Not really upset he walked, um, but like you just said, I, I just I'm very interested to see how they use him because I don't think. He's spectacular at anything, like like you you were just mentioning. Yeah,
0: no, exactly. I think, and um, you know, we've seen in the last couple of hours, you know, um, Desmond King's been retained, which was an interesting one because you've all the kind of missed walkthroughs and you know the discipline issues that he missed the game for last year, as did Justin Reid, right enough. Um, and what well, and what last year was quite a strange year. Um, yeah, there was a couple of there's well, we'll probably go into some of these more depth next week, but I think there's a couple of contracts there that didn't really make sense to me um and i've got one that i've really got a bugbear with so i thought the anthony will fire through them individually but the anthony o'clair one Corey. i thought considering your cap's gone up roughly 14 percent this year with inflation uh right. for a guy who everybody calls a blocking tight end but if you watch the tape in detail there ain't much great blocking so what did you think of bringing him back i know it's a camp body essentially at this stage but yeah, when you double yeah. the salary i think that's when you kind of start to think well you know is that worth that
1: Right. And it kind of reminds you of like a Darren fell situation, huh? Um, Yeah. But yeah, it depends on what they do. Cause if he's here, I don't know. Cause he's a guy that could probably be cut. um, When you cut down a 53 man roster at the end of the training camp, stuff like that. Um, I I gotta see what they do. Cause uh, like we were talking about earlier, man, this class, at least for me, this draft class is pretty deep. um, As a tight end, not necessarily top heavy, but pretty deep. So them signing him and well, I'm sure we'll go to in a minute for Brown who both said to be good blockers, but not really, didn't really show a lot of it that that this year, I'm sorry, I'm talking. Um, but I, well, what was his overall money? I'm sorry. Yeah. No, so in- uh,
0: he, basically he's gone from $900,000 uh, to a deal that can be worth up to 1.9 this year. Um, okay. And I, I just kind of put it in a box of, you know, when you're trying to build culture, when you're trying to rebuild, when you're trying to assert a competition, which was the big phrase of it, there's continuity with his coaching staff. So I don't expect that kind of mantra to disappear. Uh, but when you're bringing back Brooks, who can't play safety because he saw what happened in Indianapolis and it was, you know, it was basic, basic errors and not understanding. Uh, I know that comes at the coaching staff partly as well, but those basic errors and not being able to understand uh, the route concepts and what, your, and what your keys were in terms of zone coverage, you know, and it was really bad at the start of last year and he made it worse. Um, And I think that, you know, those kind of guys that I I, I just think, you know, Terence Mitchell cutting him, if you moved on from him, that was an easy step to being not very good, to being serviceable. But when you start to bring back these guys, it makes you, and obviously there's a lot to go, right? There's a lot of people that come in and you're trying to build a 90 man. But I, you know, I was hoping this year you would side with the younger guy nine times out of 10 and bringing these guys back. And look, they may not even make it through, you know, training camp and they may go, but I think as it, but when you give Eau Claire the double the money, when I don't think he necessarily deserved it, um, is, is kind of an interesting one. Because you've got contracts like Moore and Connolly and stuff, low value deals, like for like value. So, you know, you can get on board with that. Um, right. Same with Christian Kirksey. Obviously it's a two-year deal, but again, the same, you know, Justin Britt. I think they're just a really similar theme of all these guys of, I don't know what they did to justify being here. And one, I always think, I always ask myself the question, Cody, would anybody else have paid them that in the league? And would have anybody have paid them this early in the process? What do you think? Cause I think the answer to both those questions is no.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. I don't know if they would, especially, especially paying them this early in the process. I think, you know, unless they already knew they were whiffing on guys, they might've wanted. I, I don't know, but I I agree with you. I don't know if they would have got these same contracts with other teams. Probably would have been legitimate camp bodies that got paid for league minimum or whatever whatever it may be, right? So, to me, I'm wondering how much they are just kind of focusing on this Watson trade. I know we might not be getting into that right now, but I'm just – you know, obviously that takes precedence over free agency because you weren't going to be big spenders in free agency anyways, like you were just talking about. But, you know, getting some new, fresh, young blood in there – Could have been good for what you're trying to do, but just re-signing a bunch of guys that didn't really earn it, my opinion, doesn't make a lot of sense. So I I agree with you. Deshaun Watson
0: spent yesterday meeting with the Carolina Panthers. And the New Orleans Saints, face-to-face meetings, both of those teams have significant offers into the Houston
1: Texans to potentially trade for Deshaun Watson. He has a no-trade clause, so he's going to have a say in where he goes. Obviously, he must okay anything. This is still an ongoing process. The Cleveland Browns have been doing their due diligence in the mix. They're expected... To be involved today with Deshaun Watson, obviously more developments as it comes, but certainly something we're watching over the next 48 hours.
0: There is definitely a lot to kind of go through this one, so will try and take it bit by bit, right? Um, first of all, what is your sort of relief or expected relief level um, when this thing goes through? Because I think of you, you've basically had the same, and I, I've been on here with, you know, everybody... Um, and everybody else that, you know, talks about the Texans. Every game you play, every time you look at the roster, when you look at the inactives every week, this has been hanging over for so fucking long now. Um, <laughs> the the thought of getting by and getting this completed, I think, will we'll do more than just give draft picks. Do you agree? Right,
1: right. And, you know, relief is... I get is a good way to put it. I'm just, I'm so ready for this to be done, man. Like it's been, it's been a year or right under a year that we've been waiting for something to happen. You you obviously had Miami last off season. And then Miami at the deadline where we've had multiple periods of a month or so where we thought he was going to be gone. And then now he's, he's, he stayed on the roster and he sat out, stuff like that. So relief. That's, that's pretty good way to put it. I'm just, I'm ready for this to be over. I, uh, it's been it's been a long time coming. It's very very unprecedented to say the least.
0: Yeah, and I you know, and I think there's there's been and look at like the internet is a is a very interesting place. But if it wasn't for things like platforms like Twitter and things like that, I wouldn't have a, I wouldn't you know I wouldn't really have anybody to listen to the show, and I wouldn't have anybody to you know I wouldn't have a a primary means of contacting people. Um, so look, there's a lot of good that comes out of it, but I think the the frustration. Um, and all the shit that this team has put people through over the last 18 months and, you know, 60% of all that shit has been, you know, revolved around Watson and his impending exit or his want exit. And then there was illegal issues and all this kind of stuff. And I think people, when you go through sort of trauma, you kind of lose a sense of self, I think, in many ways, right? Because without getting kind of too deep about it, but, you know, there's, you see, you know, like fans and, media the, the relationship between the fans and the media the relationship between the team and the media the relationship between you know you know everybody in that sort of um triangle if you like that is you know all this, the key stakeholders of a pro ball club in this league is it's just become a mess I think in many ways you know you've got everybody who you, you know they're criticizing people if they're not guessing things right they want instantaneous kind of predictions and it's all about, you know, you're the media didn't know and all this stuff, you know, th- this guy doesn't know what's going on and all this kind of like almost like fucking really childish kind of rhetoric you think you see from people or, you know, and, you, and they, they want to segment people. You have to be a, you know, a mills, tr- you know, these new phrases that I've learned this year, Corey, a mills truther, uh, <laughs> a stan, I was, I was describing, you know, somebody uh, uh, articulated that uh, to me and I had to give me a definition of it. I didn't have a fucking clue what it meant. You know, so you've got, you've got all these like, you know, pigeonholes they want to put people in, you know, instead of like, we should all be the, you know, at at the end of the day, every single one of those people, they might have an opinion on that varies from another person, but they just want to win a fucking championship at the end of the day. That's why we're all here. And we thought we were really close to that in, in 2019. And it's, it's, and it's the wheels have come off in such a tragic way. Um, and all this shit's kind of gone on. I think just when you get past that, um, it'll feel like it will actually truly be a new, you know, because I think last year, I think so many people were frustrated because you'd have people that would say, oh, Cassetti was the best GM that's ever fucking walked the earth. And then you'd have, you know, Davis Mills is going to be a top five quarterback. None of those claims were, you know, even rooted in any objectivity or any evidence or any even kind of, anything based beyond their personal emotions and I think there's just so many factors going on that it's just become delirious at times and I'm looking forward to a day where it's just about what's on the white lines how we improve what's on the white lines and there isn't all this circus and sideshow going on on the side of it um, because it's just become everything's not been about the, the on field it's been about all about the off for the best you know we're coming up for almost three years now you know I think it's been two years of right misery and it's kind of this last year was basically the third year of that wasn't it so or the 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 third calendar year of it not three full years but yeah i think i'm just looking forward to that point where it's just like you might feel a bit of normality
1: yeah i completely agree like you like you're saying man everything is brought to one extreme or another Mm -hmm. there's nothing in between you know like you were saying you can think Mills had a solid rookie season, better than anything I would expect it at least, um, and that you want to see what he can do from now on, and then, or for next year. I mean, but you're at that point, you're turning to a Mills truther, and he, you think he's a top five quarterback? Like you're just saying, like I, obviously, some people were saying that and being ridiculous, but I, my point is just basically everything. It's just brought to one extreme or another. There's nothing in between. And you know, I think you brought up a good point. It is almost like delirious because this situation has been going on for so long. Then you had O'Brien's situation before that, and then two years of four win seasons, no draft picks last year. It is it has been a shit show. So yeah, that you put it you put it very well there, man.
0: So you've got Friday there, uh Watson comes out in the court, it is out in the media that he will not, he's, the grand jury is deemed that he will not face a criminal trial. And obviously there's a, there's a big human element to this, which is tough to deal, right? Because obviously people have been wronged to some degree. How much, you know, how far that wrong, you know, wrongness goes is is down a system. And this is like a sports discussion. So we're not going to get into like the intricacies of that. And But, you know, there's a human element. A lot of like people's lives have probably been turned up, you know, turned in a way that is, is kind of, it's kind of not great for anybody and they're going to get, you know, swept away in that, in this league that is just a marketing machine of the masses of, you know, you know, families in certain cities, all they care about is a football team and all this kind of human secondary cost is never going to be considered in probably a few weeks time, you know, once they get that, that civil element settled up. But I found it an interesting dynamic. As soon as that criminality aspect was removed, there was, there's bit you know, Uh, There is a, a number of suitors that are very, very public about it and are willing to state their name to Watson and how that changed so quickly overnight. What did you think of that whole sort of dynamic?
1: Yeah, you know, it, it is weird. And I try not to touch on that when, I, when I'm when i tweeting out the, the human aspect of it. I try to just keep it strictly football because it's – we don't know. Obviously, we're not in the courtroom. We're not talking to these lawyers and what's going on. So I try not to touch on it when, when I'm talking about Watson and stuff like that. Just mainly keep to a football aspect. But, yeah, like you were saying, man, like when – as soon as the no criminal charges, we heard five teams were in on Watson talking to the Texans, trying to get meetings with them. And we're still hearing that about five, roughly five teams. Um, So it is crazy how that happens. And I mean, it's not from my perspective, at least it wasn't totally uh, unprecedented. We've seen before that guys, especially at the quarterback position who can play, they, they'll look in the opposite way. if, if you, you know you're not going to jail, obviously, and they'll they'll bring you back. So even if you
0: do go to jail, in Michael Vick's case, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah. and that, I was about to say, yeah, exactly. So we we it wasn't totally unprecedented, from my opinion.
0: Yeah, no, I think it's just that. Look, I mean, ultimately, this is a cutthroat billion-dollar business where if you if you get the hardest spot in all of professional sports to f- filled your chances of winning a championship go up exponentially. And that's that's ultimately all people care about because of the, the income and the revenue and all that kind of stuff associated with it. So yeah, I thought it just it's just funny how it just flipped overnight. And uh and they are. But look, it was you know, I, I said this earlier. I I was I was on my first ever spaces actually earlier. Uh, with the guys from Texans Unfiltered, and I I'm, I think I managed to cancel it. I'm not sure if I closed it by mistake when all the other co-hosts went off, so I need to learn how to do that better. But but what I did say on that with th- those guys earlier was, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, and you, know, you, could, you could drive yourself crazy with this, particularly with this team as well, right? Uh, but the very convenient timing right at the start of free agency, um, you couldn't have timed that better. Now, from a pure football sense and from a compensatory sense for the Texans, um, you probably couldn't have got better timing. That you've kind of got a number of suitors in place. What did you think initially then of the process, and how do you think that's been handled? What's your sort of understanding of that? Because we've we've gone from zero to multiple teams, and apparently a couple Indianapolis and Seattle have been kind of discarded. But what do you think of the process and how we're kind of how that's kind of been narrowed down? Um, you know, to the point where Watson is now talking to you guys.
1: So, trying to think of how to, how to touch on this. So, the process specifically, you know, obviously you had the, the Panthers that were interested from the get-go last year, but they weren't. Or Watson didn't really have any interest back in them. Uh, David Tepper has, has I, I don't want to say proved, but it's been reported obviously that David Tepper really, really, really wants Watson. So, going from that, we knew he was going to be in as soon as the, the charges were dropped, right? But hearing about some of the teams like Seattle who just traded Russell away – and then they don't really have a whole lot going on on that team besides now that Russ is gone, obviously, had a couple of players and DK and Tyler Lockett, but didn't have their really much of their own assets. They get some assets and draft capital from Denver, and now they're going to ship it away to Fort Watson immediately. You know, that was kind of hard for me to comprehend. Um, but it has been wild because now you're hearing about teams like Atlanta's jumping in, and then that's a team that, like, how you can move Matt Ryan because he has a pretty big uh, dead cap hit as well. You know, we heard we heard a little bit about Minnesota at some point points and stuff like that. It's it's been, it's definitely been a wild ride. Um, the process, I, I can't explain it at all, just because I I didn't think the Saints were ever going to be in it either because they were seventy mil under the cap just like three weeks ago. You know, so the process has been wild.
0: Yeah, yeah, Yeah. yeah Yeah, I. I, I when you see the the process kind of play out you know from a public point of view there's so much noise it's all you know placed by agents Watson's cab I don't think much has come from the Texas but obviously if you're a, a you know a, a willing buyer there's an interest to get some of that information from your angle um out into the into the open I have to try and lean on people you know pressure make some decisions scarcity all these kind of tactics right and it's from my understanding or how I've kind of perceived it, and this may be way off, right? But there is a there's effectively a process whereby teams forward an offer, if Caserio is okay with it, and I'm not saying this is finalized because, you know, the old, the classic negotiation, it's not agreed to it's all agreed. Right. But I think he's putting forward, you know, parameters of a deal and they say, you know, you know, probably speaking we're okay with that. Go and speak to the agent. Um, and Watson to see if uh, if 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 he will waive his no trade clause, just like Russell Wilson did last week. So for anybody who's not caught up with this, because I don't blame you, because it's been fast and furious, and you don't end up doing much else apart from watching the news come in. and it's a it's a it's a spectacle, and the league does it so well, right? And it's just can can it can be all consuming at times, but as we stand today, on the second day of legal tampering, New Orleans, Carolina, Cleveland have all met with Watson, Atlanta laterally today came out as an extra name and various links and I've seen reports that Watson approached them obviously he was a you know infamously a ball boy um in his younger years um he's from Georgia so there kind of seems a fit there and at this point it could go anyway and I think you know that's that's something nobody's you know unless you're on the inside um you're not going to know in fact I think there's probably only what's in his agent have a good feeling but then you still got to get the final hurdle of the compensation being agreed, and there's a concern there because I, you know, and people will say it's been a collaborative process with Casario, M- M- Magaletta uh, Deshawn's agent from Athletes First, who's you know engineered this whole thing, by the way, you know, and I don't think you can you can ignore that. Just like he engineered Jalen Ramsey, it's taken them much longer than they thought um, because the because of the the legal wranglings and the mess that he got himself in. Whatever you know, whatever he did, whatever he didn't do. But it's taken a lot longer and I, I worry because I, I do not they've only got his interests at heart, like every agent, um, and there is a way to back channel, you know, the share this and, and and push this in an angle that, that would potentially reduce the compensation. But from everything you're hearing, there is a very, very strange dynamic where you've got New Orleans, Carolina and Atlanta all in the same division. And I think it's that in itself, I think, lends itself to getting more compensation than perhaps I probably thought was possible. For me the the thought, you know, and, and put ourselves in our shoes, say we were the bidders right now, and if we were to say up against the, the Titans and Indianapolis to go and to go and get a quarterback that's going to change your franchise for the next ten years at a minimum. There is a psychological point there that makes me it makes me think that they will, you know, there there is a willingness to pay a premium because you you don't want to be reminded of that twice a year, and you know, reportedly they don't they didn't go with Indy, and I think partly because of the you know they stopped the discussions early, partly because they've not got a first round pick this year, so I think that should you know count teams out straight away, and obviously there's a factor there that you could get reminded of it twice, you know, annually, um, you know, and in the playoffs potentially if you come up against them again. So I get that. So th- there's that element there that's really driving. Um, that up Um, but ironically Cleveland is the best situation um, after all these years of being in the doldrums and actually ironically it was Sashi Brown when he was GM gave Rick Smith a really cheap deal to get up from the 20s to 12 overall to go and get him and only only part with uh, a first and and they'd already given them the second round pick to to get rid of Osweiler's contract that off season but it's funny how those two fates are intertwined and actually on paper you'd probably say Actually, Cleveland are the, you know, are probably the best spot if he's actually going to want to go and win.
1: Right. And then that's, that's what my, my train of thought was that, you know, you obviously those teams, those three teams fighting for him being the major, uh, contenders, I guess, for his services, you almost lose twice if you don't get him. Right. And he goes in the division. So the Panthers won him, obviously bad, but you lose out on him and he goes to the Saints. All right. Now you got to fight face him at least twice a year, right? That's okay. You, you, you fixed that for me. Appreciate that. Um, But Cleveland is interesting. So I think I, it's weird because I I don't know if he wants to go there. Obviously we heard, I saw something today about no cold weather team I think Benjamin Albright put that out, something like that. Right. But also something for Cleveland is I think they're, they're going to have to have the best deal to get Watson because of the division factor. Obviously the Carolina, Atlanta, and the Saints are in the opposite, I'm sorry, conference. The yeah. conference factor. In the opposite conference. And then Cleveland's the one team, at least right now in the AFC that's pushing for his services. So I think if he were to waive his no trade clause there, they would have to have the best deal for Casario to send them there Is that yeah. that kind of makes sense?
0: Yeah, no definitely. I think that that's the that, that's why I think the market in terms of its dynamics, you probably couldn't have hoped for a better kind of uh set circumstances and forces that are acting against each other three teams in a division and one in your conference who will ultimately have to pay more just partly because you know and I know Joe Burrow said this last season and I don't think he meant any disrespect I've never been personally to Ohio but he said actually playing in Cincinnati there isn't too many distractions was how he put it and you, you can focus on your ball and I think the the lifestyle that him and as uh, Landry um, on the six ten phrase that which I'm going to start using is Cardi B minus, um, on, uh, his, his girlfriend, um, that they, they like a certain kind of, uh, lifestyle and, um, and the sort of kind of bougie-ness of it all, um, you know, and I think it's, uh, like, you know, like they're, uh, they want to live that kind of fast lifestyle, which has, you know, his career earnings Um and ironically a contract that we paid the $36 million signing bonus that he's never played a down on um, funds that lifestyle. So just remember that when you, if you, if you, if you feel any uh resentment towards the club for him leaving. Um, and I think that's, that's always the pit that I go back to. Um But... In terms of this trade, what would be your parameters, Corey? What do you think the fair value is? Because I've, I've, I've explained to a couple of people, um, you know, in my, in my personal, you know, personal work in life, um, uh, negotiations have been a big part of that. Um, and, you know, I was trying to explain to people there is concessions to be made on both sides and you don't just dictate to somebody. It's not a, it's not a barter. This There is a number of variables that go into it, draft picks, uh, cash flow, players, you know, etc. cetera, um, that can that can all impact this. Timing, obviously, is one. You know, what year you get the draft picks in, what year, if you're taking their younger players, what draft class do you take that from? So what would be your parameters of the trade? Because I think if we'd have traded them last year, before the draft, like, was the intention, before all the the legal wranglings, I think four first-round picks probably was a fair value because this is a unicorn of a proposition in the National Football League. These opportunities do not come up very often. There is very few times you get a guy who's paid um, for a number of years and is going to have a low APY on your salary cap, who's shown he's a top five talent and is on the market for a number of picks. So what do you think the sort of fair parameters, you know, considering both sides? I know it's easy to go, well, I want their three best starters and three first round picks and three seconds, you know, and like, look, we'd all want that, but it's not realistic. So... What do you think? Uh, what do you think's a sort of fair valuation that both sides could come to?
1: Right, and you know, just to touch on something before I get into that, just but without the legal allegations, I don't know if teams would have had enough assets to trade for him yeah. straight up, like because you can only trade four years in advance, and that that fourth year is when the draft opens up officially. You can get uh, to twenty twenty five or whatever, right? So. But, but for fair value or market value i guess we've we've heard about three first right then we've heard about three first since last year because area was always stuck on he's getting three first right so obviously with the criminal allegations out price immediately went up and i think it's been going up because of the teams getting involved and bidding against each other now Obviously, it can go back down depending on how his no trade clause affects where he wants to go and who's still bidding at the end of the day. But I would say for fair value for me, the three firsts, I think hmm, you can get three firsts, you get a few day two picks, whether it be seconds or thirds, and then you get at least one player. That That's – it doesn't have to be a star player. I don't think it's gonna be uh, like a mid tier player either, but I think that's where they're sitting at right now because price has gone up over the last week, like you said, because of timing one and the the criminal allegations are are the criminal, there's no criminal char- yeah. uh, files chart. Yeah. So that's where I'm sitting at right now. What what is, what is yours?
0: Yeah, I yeah, I think for first. I mean, look, as the seller of this asset, as I said, rate right as you ever fucking get in this league whatever a team pays, it will never be enough. And yeah. there will be times where we will regret this, you know, be prepared for that is what I would say to a lot of people. He's so rare if you think of when you need to be at the top of the draft, when you need to be in a position where other teams don't value the guy that you value and then he, you know, Justin Herbert, you know, et cetera, That that other teams didn't value but you did. You then have to have the capital that year to, to be in a position or have had a bad year for, you know, good or bad reasons, injuries, form, whatever it might be. And even when all those things fall into place, there is injuries, there is, you know, there's loss on teams, there's, you know, coaches get fired, there's change over coordinators. There is so many things that have to go right and have to go all in the one direction for a quarterback in this league to be successful is the hardest position of all of sports to play. So when you get one, you hold on to them. And I, I, I just hope that there is some reflection at some point from people in the organisation that, you know, what did we do? You know, and I I, and I don't know if there will be, I don't know if that's an arrogance, a mix of eagles and all this kind of stuff, but what did what could have we done better to not be in a position where we spent 20 years searching for a guy and after three and a bit, one injured, three on the field. He wanted nothing to do with us. And yeah. you've got to look in the mirror at that, but I think a little bit, you know?
1: Right. And I agree, you know, it it's tough to, you obviously can't pin that on the new... You can't pin that on like Casario because he wasn't here when. Yeah, it's more Cal,
0: he, I think. You know, as as he's learning as an owner, does he reflect on that? Uh,
1: right, that? exactly. So it's obviously on Cal, and then what, whatever you want to put on Jack. I, I you know, I'm tired of discussing that guy. Yeah. Right? But uh, yeah, so obviously they're going to look at it, but at the same time, man, for me, he also he also quit, right? And you you mentioned it earlier. He signed that deal and got that signing bonus, and then didn't play down. You no, know, and nobody forced him to sit out this year. It was on his own accord, whether it was warranted or not. He still quit. You know, and that's my opinion. On it. And that's going to fade over time after he's gone. If he won the Super Bowl in seven years, then we'll look at it and be like, "Oh, well, okay." But he, the it's burnt bridges to me, right? So I, I just, you, you obviously got to get rid of him, uh, in my opinion, just because I don't, I don't think he's ever going to play it down here again. Um, but. They're also they're, like you were like you were saying, man. There, there's got to be some inter- looking internally so that this doesn't happen again, right? So so this the next time you do go get another guy, if it's not Mills or whatever it may be that you this, this situation doesn't yeah. happen again, right? And that's obviously dependent on person to person, but there, there there needs to be some internal looking for sure.
0: Yeah. No, I hope so. And I think I think for me in terms of the parameters to get back to that, I think you need you need a minimum of 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 three first round picks the, the second and third round picks all day two stuff I think that depends on the flow of how quickly you get them so if you can just say for example you get two in one year then you could you know maybe take a little yeah. less on the on on the day two picks I think when you when you look for starters and young players who can come in and fill a role um, and we'll get through some of these examples in a bit and by team but you probably need to think actually you you know, teams aren't going to give up two guys from the same draft class because that causes them more problems. Because then, you know, if you if you've got to pay a multiple guys at one time, that causes an issue for their cap and their planning, etc. So, uh, you know, when I was looking at guys, I tried to pick them from multiple classes on teams. You know, from the the twenty, the twenty one, even the nineteen class, if if, if needs be, um, from that. So that's probably some of the parameters I think you you want to get back probably two players, if uh, three players. I think when you look at the Russell Wilson deal, which was two first, two seconds and three players effectively in a swap of later round picks, 90% there. You, you want to be in a position where you command the premium on that because Watson's seven years younger and seven years more youth and health, hopefully, um, and longevity can offer you versus Russell Wilson in theory, um, you know, time will tell now, but I think that you've got to, you've got to bake that premium in there. And I think we're in a position to do that. Absolutely but there's definitely a part of me that, uh, that, that kind of keeps going back to that no trade clause that may just kind of erode, sort of, scratch away a little bit of the value at times.
1: Yeah, and I agree. And I've been thinking about it a little bit. So obviously... It's not going to be like it was last year, where he was dead set on Miami. He was Miami or nothing, right? And that's why, you know, Casario didn't trade him because they weren't getting fair market value, and obviously you had the the legal situations. But it's not going to be like that this year. I don't think he's going to limit himself to one destination. Where I think the the no trade clause comes in, and it could, it could really hurt us. I don't want to say really hurt us, but say you, for example, I'll just use an example. So Carolina, the Browns, and um, Saints—they all offer a deal to where it's, they're similar. It's a fair deal. You would accept any one of those depending on the, uh, it meets your, it meets your price. I guess I can say all three of them do, but two of those are a little bit better than the one. So it's like the, the Saint. I'm sorry, the Panthers and the Browns deal are a little bit better than the saints. Saints is still good enough to an accept, but not quite as good as the other two. Well, okay. This is where Watson comes in. Well, if you're going to accept all three, I'd rather play for the saints. Right, so that's where I think it could really come in and affect us, where so we don't get the maximum value we could get because he decides out of those three teams, he'd rather play for the one that's offering a little bit less. So that kind of makes sense to you. Yeah,
0: no, I think so. And that, I mean, like I, that's why I wonder what, where that final filtration process and that little bit. And I suppose that's where Nick Casario earns his money at that point. And. And, uh, you know, that's, that's the, you know, I keep seeing people use the word leverage all the time and uh, yeah. incorrectly uh, a lot of it, but like, you know, that's where the, you know, the leverage comes in because ultimately it's, it's, uh, it's a time point of view and it's a uh, scarcity of the asset that you want to leverage that fact at the end to try and get them to up their offer. Um, absolutely. Yeah.
2: Uh, Really good on defense, fast, explosive, a lot of good young players. Chin, who's kind of been a safety linebacker hybrid. Two good edge players, good defensive tackle, Derek Brown, eighth pick or whatever he was last year. Uh, Shaq Thompson has been kind of a mainstay down there, So, and they drafted Horn in the first round. So young and fast on defense and offensively traded for Sam. Sam's played well. We've played against Sam. I've played against Sam for a yeah. number of years. Sam's always been a good player. Three good skill receivers, three receivers that they put on the field. Uh, Arnold, the tight end they signed in free agency, yeah. he's, he's been a nice addition for them. And Christian's one of the better players and the better backs in the league. So,
0: so for me, I just I, I I tweeted the link out yesterday. I'd heard it a couple of times before, but an anecdote about David Tepper, and I think probably many people will be of the opinion right now that Carolina poses the best avenue potentially for, well, we can debate this. I think you go back and forth on it, but I think Carolina potentially is, you know, the the best value potentially for the Texans. And why that is, David Tepper, if you don't know, he's sorry, he was a minority owner in the Steelers, used to work for Goldman Sachs Investment Bank. He was passed over for a promotion um, at Goldman Sachs, left, and then the manager that passed over, passed him over, he then bought his house in the Hamptons, bulldozed it and built one twice the size on, on the same land, complain at restaurants and just buy the restaurant then and then. Um, he gets what he wants, or he certainly had a pattern of that in his life. Didn't necessarily come across that as much in Hard Knocks, I'd have to say, but, um, you know, maybe the media's exaggerated some of that right enough. But <laughs> anyway, he's a guy who he gets what he wants. You know, he's, he's a billionaire that owns an NFL franchise, so you don't get much more, you know, kind of elite in terms of the the, the power stakes, I suppose. He wants to win. He's seen two quarterbacks come in the last two years. This is Matt Rule going his third year, potentially on the hot seat. Very impatient, wants to take gambles. And I can guarantee if he's willing to buy a house and bulldoze it just for the fuck of it, then I think he'll definitely outbid his divisional rivals for a quarterback.
1: I I think so as well. Um, And like you were just saying, man, I think the package that he can offer is arguably the best for me it's probably the best i think the browns can offer something kind of similar uh depending on which young players you're adding and stuff like that but i he's the guy that wants yeah at least as we publicly know, one Watson the most, and that's mostly from reports and stuff like that. And, you know, there's something to be said about that because obviously Carolina is not like the most appealing place for a guy like Watson. Obviously you got like the New York of the world, the new Orleans stuff like that, but an owner that really, really wants you. And apparently is willing to let you choose the next head coach if they were to fire rule and stuff like that. There's something to be said about that. And, and hopefully, for me at least, I hope he, he can get it done because I looking at the Falcons and the Saints and stuff like that, I think he definitely can offer a better package.
0: Yeah, well I, I think when you look I, I suppose when it's the down payment, right, the primary asset of this draft could be the six overall pick from Carolina. And when you're set at third and six, that gives you a lot of flexibility to move up and down the board. I don't well in theory it does. I think when you look at this draft class. I don't know how many Will and Dan's partners you got to come right up to those spots, but you know that we could talk. That's another debate. I'm thinking, but but that gives you premium spots where you basically get, you know, you're going to get the the best player at a certain position and over premium position more than likely in two spots. So therefore, if you take one inside the bollies, for example, if you take two in defense, you have a bit of a transformation. But I think when you consider the Carolina offer, they don't have a second round pick and they don't have a third round pick this year. So there's there's no. There's going to be a limited, in terms of equity flow from the two ball clubs. That's going to feel a little bit short-changed in year one. I think the only way you negotiate around that is by asking for more players up front, because obviously they've Sorry. got their picks in the second, second year and the third year. So you could get the three firsts, and I think that's 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 pretty much a given. I think at this point, plus the, the the extras and the extras, you know, they are what they are. They're just sweeteners right on the end of it, and it's really the draft picks and you know the, how many how many firsts, where the firsts are. And the players, in terms of the the requests back, if you were Casario put into Carolina, who would you be asking for um, off that roster? Say you can have up to three players, but you know you choose you choose what you what you'd ask for.
1: So for for Carolina, right? yeah. So I also want to add something because you mentioned the sixth pick, and I don't know if you saw the tweet. I believe it was from John Crumpler um, about the, the the draft value chart, right, right. and how. The sixth pick is actually like more valuable than the Saints' first, second, and third this year, based on that draft value chart, just yeah. because it's valuable at six. So that's also something to add to into this and uh, how much Carolina can give and stuff. But to get back to your question, um, what I would ask for my my um, I guess ideal offer is I would, you know, obviously got Brian Burns. You have um, who's the, who's the corner JC Horn. One uh, obviously would love to have those guys on the field or love on the Texans. I mean, um, what I would who I would choose though, I would choose or I would ask for Derek Brown um, and Jeremy Chinn for players wise. And I know you just kind of touched on how you kind of don't necessarily want to do that because they were both drafted in the same class, um, and you don't want to have to pay them at the same time, but. Obviously, Derek Brown has the fifth year, or will have the fifth year option. Mm-hmm. Where Jamie Chin was a second rounder, and he'll have four years. So it's a little bit different, or you got a little bit of a gap there, I guess we could say. But those two players, um, specifically, I want to touch on Chin real quick because I think the dude is a really good safety, but I think he can be an elite linebacker, especially in with a, a lovey system. Um, so that's something I would do is I would bring him, move him down to linebacker, uh, and then play. Brown is the three tech, but after that you get to the picks and obviously you want pick six. I think you take pick one of six in the fourth round this year. And then you get the pick, the first round picks in 23 and 24. And I think, I mean, I think you're taking the seconds and the thirds in 23 and 24 because I think he's willing to offer them temper that is. And like you just said, they don't have those seconds and thirds this year. So I think you're going to be asking for those. Uh, as additional compensation, because we don't have that this year.
0: Yeah, so I, I yeah, I think you're right on the picks thing. You got the three first, and you got two seconds, two thirds. That probably then either there's a question of those seconds and thirds. You're not getting them up front, therefore there's a justification of getting them on the on the on the, the year two and year three. Um, but then I suppose how many players can you leverage out of those those extra picks? If you right. say basically like there's no deal without three first round picks. Um, but if you were to say to, and ultimately I think it's Matt Rule, I think Scott Fritter is just a bit of a kind of, you know, number two really, because he, he was brought in, you know, well after a rule and he was given the big contract and all this kind of stuff. So, I, you know, for me, I think you're right on, on, for me, I couldn't agree more on Derek Brown. I think he's a rare, rare talent. You don't get guys like that. Um, albeit, you know, there's there's not anybody of that quality at the defensive tackle spot in this year's draft, certainly. Right. The, the power of an interior rusher is... is is, is has so much value um, you know and Brian Burns is a flashy name absolutely um, but there's only you know but I think you can get, get guys like that and particularly if there's any position in this draft class that is, that yeah. is, is definitive strength is Ed Rusher I think you could probably find a nice piece in the third and fourth round this year so you know I, I think for me it would be those picks we talked about and depending on the day two and three picks it would depend on how many guys you could get out now one consideration I have on Jeremy Chin is you could take Kyle Hamilton at three or six um, and you're kind of duplicating that at that point and potentially taking back, you know, the, or not taking the best player, in all-round football player in this draft. And then also at the same time, you have a position where you might have to make Jeremy Chin the highest paid safety in, you know, two years time, a year's time.
1: Right. So, yeah, that's an interesting aspect and that's kind of also like say you did do that I definitely would move chin down to linebacker if that, that was me there. Um, I don't know if they're redundant I heard some their skill sets I mean are redundant like I heard yeah. someone on, on YouTube kind of say the same thing that their skill sets are kind of redundant. I mean the Tampa two cover two system is kind of redundant they do the same things either it both safeties right so. But as far as that goes, like I like I was saying earlier, man, I I think if you're getting Hamilton at six and you're playing him as your your free safety or whatever, and then you move Jeremy Chin down your to your well linebacker spot, right, and he's covering curl to fly and he's making he's getting a hundred tackles a year, you're not necessarily having to pay obviously him as one of the highest paid safeties or whatever. Uh, when his contract's up and then you got Hamilton up in two more years. Right. So you're not putting that much money into what people would consider not a uh, what's the word I'm looking for a, uh, I want to say primary, but like a, a pivotal position, I yeah. guess we could say. Right. So that, if, if that's the route you go, you know, I would definitely move him down because he, he did it anyways. He was a basically a linebacker year one, and then he did it in spots this year. Um, but that's that's how I would go about it um I don't I don't know what's your thoughts on that yeah
0: no I agree I mean look you know ultimately you get as many like for me I've always had the philosophy of defense just about stacking talent so you know if you've got three Jeremy Chin's you'll find a way to get them on the field at the one time you know yeah, I think that's I that's that's the, the task for Lovey Smith to do, you know to do in boss managing the head coaching. Coaching task. I think for me, I think that as well, the JC Horn, like, yeah, he was the best corner in the draft last year, but there's, you know, but he's fr- from the limited stuff I've watched, he's pretty, I know he's got injured last year, which is always a kind of a worry when a rookie gets injured and misses time and how quickly they come back because corner is a year to year position um so yeah he's probably you know not as safe as he would have been if he had been healthy so there, there's that consideration um and he's a bit of a press man guy he's got you know some good hand fighting skills from the limited team i watched them last year i've been far more into this year's class just with finally having picks than i have been the last couple but uh, yeah, naturally yeah. but yeah no i think that the, look, there's there's options there and i think you know for me you could get cg henderson who was a top 10 pick um you know before urban meyer just jettisoned them from from uh from jacksonville for no real reason yeah. um and he you know he's kind of been more trending towards the slot um um, and look at was he a top eight pick i think he went in. i'm sure because i won some money on that one because it just was so jacksonville to do that um but he you know there there's there's guys here i think when you're taking these one you want high upside guys who are going to pay off more than they might now you know They didn't draft him, they're not attached to him. He's a guy that I think you could maybe get as, you know, an extra player. And Gross Matos as well at Penn State, I think, you know, he's not necessarily played as much football as he would have wanted, you know, with a mix of injuries. Um, And last year kind of got got kind of his groove a bit. Uh, But, you know, with those, I think he's got 35, 36-inch arms, 260, 65 pounds, you know, he's the prototype kind of fourth 4-3 Four three defensive end, um, you know, you get them under Jacques Cesar, Could you see an upside there? I think quite possibly. You know, and I think that's 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 some kind of names there. I'd be asking Luke and Robbie Anderson's a cut, You know, a, you know, potential in as well. You know, because they gave him that extension last year, and now it looks like you know they're maybe not too happy with that extension. So and they're going to need to clear some more cap space. So you know, if we move them out, then you know, you get a guy that stretches the field for for our Davis. So you know, there is there is definitely the, definitely the opportunity there, and I think for me. Uh I may change my mind as we go through this, but I think there's a bit of trade judo to be played against David Tepper and his aggression towards that. Now, next option on the board is New Orleans. Um obviously the primary pick in this year's draft is 18th. Uh right. what do you think of New Orleans as a proposition? And you know, like Mickey Loomis, Dennis Alward, and supposedly in town on Monday, how do you think they were selling uh selling New Orleans and what do you think they'll be selling Casario to try and get them?
1: Yeah, and for me personally, I've, New Orleans is the least attractive trade destination from a Texans fan perspective. Um, you know, obviously you got the picks. You'll have the first, second, and third this year that we're kind of mentioning that yeah. Carolina doesn't have. Um, and I believe they have an extra second or third in the next year or something like that. It's something like that, right? So the but, compensatory
0: uh, picks have just come out um, and they've got two compensatory picks for this. So, I mean, there's an, there is an opportunity to get a first, second, two thirds in year one, which I think potentially oh, yeah, depend depends on how you value this draft class, which, you know, I'm, I'm, I think it's, it's not an all timer it's not 2011 sort of job. Um, yeah. then, you know, that, that does, that does carry a value though. You know, you can kind of get a good down payment on the class.
1: Right. Right. I, I agree. So, uh, you heard about Ryan Ramchick, the right tackle. Um, Obviously, I would take him. My thing with him, though, is this, specifically for this year, he's owed eight or eight million or so, right? For if he stays with New Orleans, if they were to trade him pre June first, his dead cap it would be twenty four. Yeah, million. I don't know. So how he,
0: was, I don't know how his name was ever involved. And it's just yeah, I and, I and it's just coming as we've been on air as well, that That is saying that uh, the Texans are expected not to trade Tunsil and keep with him. So yeah, I never thought that that Ram um, pick really was a fit.
1: Yeah, it didn't make sense to me either, especially because I think Titus is going to be your right tackle. And if you're keeping Tunsil, you know, are you moving Titus back to yeah, guard, which he wasn't very good man. at, stuff <laughs> like that. Yeah. So, yeah, thank you. Yeah, I agree. So uh, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Marcus Davenport just got restructured as well. So yeah. I'm wondering, uh, say that again?
0: No, I was going to say, no, I think that's I right. And my understanding was um, that they, they would, again, they would take a bigger cap hit. um, so can they you know yeah, same exactly. same uh, same principle can they endure that or they, or are they safeguarding themselves from not having to trade them you know in a roundabout way perhaps I don't know but yeah I thought that that because he was a name that I'd written down because ultimately you know you want to try and get you know a, a guy in the trenches out of this probably if you can uh, because that's what's going to have the most impact and you know I did have them but ultimately you would have had to extend them uh, but they've restructured that fifth year um, the name I had Cody was. Paulson Adebo, three interceptions last year, 66 tackles, Stanford guy, you know, he'll fit that kind of cultural element, they want. you've got to think, um, albeit he was last year's second or third round pick from them, um, but I think there's, there's potential value there, what do you think of him?
1: Yeah, it was just that they were the third round pick. I haven't watched him, but I had heard his name pop up a few times, and I need to get into it if case that is the deal, right? So I I do like that. Um, From Just looking at statistics, he had a solid season, like you just said. Um, Another. So I wouldn't be mad at that. Obviously, another guy to name would be obviously Peyton Turner, their first-round pick from last year. Yeah. Their defensive end got hurt this year. Um, but like I said, it's it's not the most appealing. Obviously, you have guys like Marshall Lattimore that might be in the deal. But my thing is, man, like he's still young, but he is already on his second contract, right? So for me, going and getting those guys that are already on the second contract, although they are good, you know, we're not – Though, how do I phrase this? We're not those guys away from winning, right? Yeah. Like we still have to build up the team, right? So, you know, how is it going to help you? We don't know when we'll be ready to compete, how we hit on draft picks stuff like that. Right. It's all relative, but who the, for those guys specifically, you know, I don't know if you go and trade for those guys, because you're already going to have to pay them. You're going to, they're going to be good for you. Fine. But like they're going to be, if he's 26 right now, he's going to be 28, 29. You know when we're ready to play, and how much how does this play decline as it as it goes, right? So as the years go on, so it's just for me, I would obviously like guys on rookie contracts that you can mold into what you want to do. Um, wouldn't obviously be opposed. I'm not going to be mad that we got Marshall and Lattimore, right? So, but for me specifically, that's why the New Orleans deal is the least attractive to me.
0: Yeah, I think so, because I struggle to pick players out of it. I think, you know, when fans are commenting on like Caesar Ruiz out of Michigan, obviously there's kind yeah. of links there, but, you know, certainly there was a sentiment from, from from some of the stuff I read that it's he's not necessarily lived up to that pick, and then you think, you know, interior's our biggest need. Um don't think AG Can's going to fix that, so... You know, as Eric McCoy, but again, he's twenty nineteen draft class coming out of Texas A and M, so you know you're going to have to pay him. You know, within the next, you know, well, shortly. So, um, if he's not already been up, so you know, you've got that kind of element there as well. So, yeah, I, I think for me right now, um, we're probably in agreement that New Orleans is the is the kind of bottom spot for for in terms of where you you know you desperately want to kind of kind of see that take te- you know Casario pulling the trigger very good football coach what do you think
2: about the Browns overall big challenge really great football team they you know last season was no 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 fluke or it wasn't a joke but coach Stefanski and AB Andrew Barry have done a great job putting a program in place Paul D. as is a part of that as well but they have a good infrastructure in place and they've brought a lot of good players a lot of good people um offensively they have two arguably two of the best backs in the league I mean Chubb is one of the best backs, and Hunt is probably a little bit underrated. But they can put two running backs out there at any given point in time. Three good tight ends, three or four really good receivers, including you know the fifth receiver is a rookie who runs for yep. one or whatever Schwartz runs. Yep. Really good offensive line that they've invested in, and Baker's a really really good player, underrated, very accurate with the ball, mobile. And then they essentially have rebuilt their defense. They have nine new nine new starters, but 14 new players on the defensive side of the ball. And it really starts with the defensive front. I mean, Garrett's as good a player as there's in the league. J.D. is a really good player. I mean, you guys saw him for a number of years. Signed McKinley, drafted J.O.K. Okay in the second round, drafted Newsom in the first round, signed John Johnson, who's another underrated player. So they have a really good football team. And then a lot of those guys have a role in the kicking game. The Felton, uh, the uh, rookie returner from UCLA, uh, Felton, is going to return kicks. So they have a good football team. It's-
0: now, Cleveland was the the third team to meet um, with with Watson, supposedly, um, today in between depositions. Don't bear that thought. Um, so long mm. day for the poor guy. But Cleveland is an interesting one because I think, as you said earlier, it's probably the best on paper in terms of opportunity. There's probably a fair bit of meat there you can get in terms of players back. Um Again, they, you know, there's no impediment to their picks. Um, you know, they, they've got the full suite for the next couple of years. So, what do you think of the, the kind of Cleveland opposition in terms of the value that could represent?
1: So yeah, for, real quick from a roster perspective, I think it should be the most appealing to Watson, right? Because especially like, you can make a deal from Cleveland's perspective and not have to give up your guys like Miles Garrett, right? Like obviously we would want, we'd probably ask for that and want that, but. You know, for me, like I tweeted this out earlier, if you can get guys like Greg Newsom, the, the rookie corner, uh, Grant Delpit, and J.O.K., okay, uh, Jeremiah Wusu Kormora, the linebacker, also linebacker, those three guys, along with, you know, pick 13, they have their second, they have two thirds. They also have a comp, uh, comp pick in the third round, I believe you picks for next year. I think that's something that they can do without having to give up their top, top guys. Right. Obviously everyone's going to want those guys. They're so good, but same thing we just talked about with new Orleans, you know, how does miles Garrett play decline? Cause he can be 27 this year when he's 29 years old, you know, it's like, you know, I would hate for that to turn out to kind of the Cleo Mack thing where he didn't really live up to what they traded for in my opinion. Right. So, for me, and it, like Greg Newsom, I'll, I'll mention real he, quick, he played really solid as well. He got hurt, I believe he only started 11 games, but you know, for a guy that had, he had, uh, what was a nine pass breakups, you know, had a 63% completion percentage this year. Uh, he had 44 combined tackles or 40 or something like that. Yeah, Four in um, a
0: better game, yeah, which is pretty good, yeah. For
1: for 11, for 11 games, not bad. He didn't get any interceptions, but you know, for, still for rookie, rookie corners are thrown to the wolves with some of these receivers that are out there nowadays, you know, <laughs> number twos. So for him to have that stat line in the 11 games starting was really impressive to me. Um, and then Jay, okay, I loved him coming out. Um, I love Greg Delpit coming out as well. He has a skill set that like guys like Reed, we were talking about earlier, doesn't have like as a single high safety kind of thing. And he was basically a rookie last year because he got hurt all of his actual rookie year. So those three guys I would name and then the, obviously the same amount of picks that we're talking about from from Carolina and from New Orleans and stuff like that. And Cleveland gets to keep their top two guys as well as get the quarterback right. So I don't know how you feel about that, but that deal would it interests me It's close up there with the Carolina deal in my opinion. So,
0: so it was J.O.K., Delpin. who was the third one? Uh, Greg Newsome, Newsom, yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, I think that's probably a realistic one. I think because you think they probably don't want to give up their top corner in Denzel Ward. He's obviously going to have a higher cap application as he as he's uh, as as he's you know due, you know he's going to be more expensive. Yeah, he's on a, he's further in his career, so therefore by definition, you've got Newsom who potentially you know we're going to be talking about bets could have that higher ceiling. We don't know, and you know I think his tape at he was pretty good. Um, there's a reason why he went in the first round. So you know I think when you get the three firsts again you may have to concede on some of those day two picks right there, but um over but you could potentially get, you know, a first, a second and two thirds in year one and then kind of relinquish some of the the back end later picks if you get some guys up front. Um, you know, and like a second may turn, a third and a third may turn, a fourth or something like that as a as a concession um for them. And I think that there's definitely players players there that, you know, if you could if they're gonna overpay because they want to keep them in the AFC then I think that's a package that, you know, is potentially almost more inviting um, than than the Carolina one. But I think that comes back to that situation that we said that actually you could have a team that's paying slightly more, um, but there's a preference for the no trade clause and, and, and uh, potentially Carolina is in the front. So if you think of Carolina being kind of the front runner, you have the mysterious entrant today of Atlanta, what do you think? Or oh, obviously, there's they said there's all those connections there. What do you think of the potential of the Atlanta offer and and what would, and what kind of guys would you be looking back if in the trade?
1: Yeah, there's some guys I like. Um, obviously, you have Kyle Pitts, who is just uh, one or one of a kind at the tight end position. Um, I, I guess I don't want to say one of a kind, but as a prospect, we haven't seen a guy like him come out. In- so, Kyle Pitts. Obviously, they wouldn't want to part with him, but you gotta have to part with someone, right? So, Kyle Pitts is guy I want. AJ Terrell, their cornerback. He's. I think he's in his. He just played his third year, right? So he'll be going into his fourth year this year, if I'm not mistaken. So he have this year and next year on his fifth year option. Um, and then another guy I would like or I would look into is Chris Lindstrom, their guard. And I'm I'm not sure what year he was drafted. Um, 2019,
0: all- 20. I, I was there, watched it. I remember. They, did they not trade back up into the, into the? Did they trade? No, that was uh, Caleb Gary that they came back in. But they took both him in the first round in 2019. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. So, so, but those are three guys I like. It's just interesting because, like we were talking about earlier, the Matt Ryan thing, man. Like. I don't. We wouldn't take him back. I wouldn't assume. Are they gonna? Would they move him to like Indianapolis or something like that? Like it would be interesting to see what they what they would do with.
0: Yeah, could because obviously there's a huge cap there, and I don't know the economics of it. But what they thought was well, could you do something similar to what Detroit did? Because let's be honest, right, we're not going to win the playoffs or win a playoff game this year. Could there be a way where you could restructure some of it, take some of the hit this year? By you know clearing out a lot of the, you know a lot of these guys that we've we've got on in, in cap because I think we're about 22 million 23 million we could clear out I think we've only really cleared out eight before the Eric Murray um proposed structure which we've not seen the detail obviously there's some incremental spend there with some guys um but is there a way which we can obviously we're compre- incredibly incredibly hamstrung by the you know the thirty six million dead cap you know oh, a huge portion of is cutting on but it, would there be a way that you could bring in Matt Ryan for a year, void these later years, give them basically a one year. See what you've got left in the tank, but yet get an extra pick out of it.
1: Yeah, that would be interesting. And I actually meant to mention that in the Carolina deal something like if you can ensure you can get the guys you want player wise, you know, take on to take on Sam Darnold, something like that is a similar situation. But it would be interesting because we only clear twenty four million from Watson. Well, so uh this year that's the difference between his contract and what his dead cap hit would be right yeah. so uh 24 mil and then i don't know what matt's contract is obviously it would have to be restructured right because you just i don't know if you have enough like just straight up because his contract is or his cap hit this year is pretty hefty right so it'd have to be restructured and add voidable years so that, i mean if you get an extra pick out of that i'm all for it and you can make it work i'm all for that but uh for it, it it's hard to see,
0: you know, for me, in my opinion right now, right? Yeah, no, I think so. I I think is it not is it not a potential dead hit of something ludicrous? Um you look that one up there, but I think there's there is I think that's gonna be a big impediment. So that was why I was surprised to see them there. Uh but, yeah, they, me too. but they do have uh two second round picks this year as well. Um which can yeah, which kinda of gives a little bit. And I think, you know, often you find in drafts, not every year. But often you find in drafts the real value can often be in the second round, and uh, I'll beat you only get them for four years. But maybe having that potentially, you know, that was a tr- that was the trade with uh, Tennessee for Julio Jones. i have got that pick, so you know there is a there is a potential there to get that. I just don't see how the whole cap thing works. Um, of course, there's a way if you're willing to pay signing bonuses and and what have you. Um, but it certainly is, uh, and long as you're willing, your owner is willing to shell out the cash. There's often a bit around the cap, you know. I think we will learn that, but uh, particularly in New Orleans as well. But that's that's one. So yeah, I I think the the guys there in terms of who you'd ask for back, I think you know there, there's a number. There's a number of guys there. I think you have got Ag Terrell at corner again. It's probably you know like the the GC Horn, you know, prospect. Would they give him up? I don't. Th- I don't think necessarily. Um, would they give up Kyle Pitts as effectively you might have to wipe off every second? If you were to hold on to those three, you might have to wipe off every, you know, day day two pick if you were going to take a player of that value, I think.
1: Uh, yeah, I agree. And, you know, uh, just to add on to something you were just saying about the value in the second rounds, uh, it's off topic for what you're just talking about, but I just, you, you, it came back to my mind when you said it. This draft specifically, I I heard, you know, obviously we, I think we both agree it's not as top heavy as like, especially the last draft or maybe even the last two drafts, but because of the COVID year and stuff like that, um, this draft is specifically deep because there is like double the amount of prospects yeah. in this draft. Yeah. So- so I think that the number I heard was like 4,000 prospects and typically in a typical draft, it's like 2000. So just that amount of prospects makes this class extremely deep. Um, and I hear even heard Brett Coleman talking about it at the, the shrine bowl games, how they were able to get some of these guys that they might not have gotten before because this class is so deep. Right. So adding those seconds and third is definitely going to be valuable this year, I think so. But to get back, uh, what, what did you asked? Um, yeah, just,
0: just, just in terms of getting players back, I think the, the other one from Atlanta would be Richie Grant from UCF last year. I think, you know, decent yeah. safety, rangy, uh, can do a number of things. I, don't, I think he's, you know, one of these guys, perhaps an all-rounder, maybe that's unfair, but, you know, a guy who can give you some mobility on the back end, and when you're playing zone, you need mobility. So, you know, a guy that potentially could come in. But, yeah, I mean, after going through all those, um, if you were to rank those four teams... Uh where where would you see is the best to last in terms of what you know what value Casario can get by? I
1: think you got I think you got a one A, one B situation with Carolina and Cleveland, in my opinion. Yeah. We kind of talked about those those players from Cleveland are really tempting. So I, it, for me to rank it, I'll just go one A uh Carolina, one B Cleveland, and then you got I think you got Atlanta next because I do think I do like actually like some of the players that they might be able to give up, even if it's just Chris Lindstrom. I I would like that more than getting, uh, Cesar Ruiz from from New Orleans, right? So that's uh, three Atlanta, four New Orleans. That's probably how I, I would rank it. Yeah,
0: no, I think I would agree. I think I would agree. Um, do you think there? I know obviously we've had Atlanta merged today. Um, however, that came about, if it was if it was Watson or, or what have you that that. Uh, that, that that push that yeah, um. So just actually on that Matt Ryan one, so he's twenty two cap hit. uh. It's thirty. It's thirty six million, um. But the the dead cap hit, unless they were to restructure, that's fifty five point five two five million, so.
1: Yeah, and see, that's the problem. I think Atlanta takes on that dead cap, and that's a, more than what his cap it is, obviously. So that's, what, 20 or almost 20 million more that they would have, have to pay, you know? So that's rough. Um, but were you about to ask uh, if any other other teams could potentially... Yeah, yeah, I was. I was
0: just trying to see. So then at the minute, yeah, Atlanta only have 26 million. They've signed a couple of guys today. I saw they extended like the, the kicker. Uh, from Korea so yeah 26 million plus that 50 um, there'll probably some hard decisions going to be made or the owner's going to shell out money and one thing I do think and why I think it may work is because like Arthur Blank I think he's a guy that um, which was at Home Depot I think he made his money right Um, and he understands people beyond his realms if you like I think you know he showed that you know they get people into the stadium early you see the attendances that the, you know, the, the MLS t- club has their biggest in, in in that league by, you know, a significant margin. Um, he kind of gets it, I think, and he's not been as successful as he would like to be. He has a direct relationship with Watson. If there's a way to make it work, I think he'll do it. You know, I think kind of going back to that Tepper thing, I think there's, a, there's an ownership-driven desire there to go and be successful, plus a personal interest, plus some ingenuity. I think, you know, there, there may be a way, it may be very difficult, um, but I, th- I think there's definitely something you can do to 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 do it, and it look it might be the the fact that the Texans take a number of players there in salary dumps, and you get one or two years out of them, restructure them as well, and we and uh, you know the cap the cap experts earn their money at that point. But yeah, just an interesting point there. But yeah, the additional teams. Do you think there's anybody lurking in the reeds out there that can potentially come in and and uh, and shake this up again before a decision is made in the next couple of days?
1: If I were to pin one, I I would say the Eagles. Um, the, they were Tino's you know, your reported interest last year. The the, the thing is, is, I don't know if uh, I believe, or I'm not sure, and I'm not gonna like pretend I'm, like reporting anything like that. Right? But uh, Watson, you know, would he accept? Eagles because of Jalen Hurts, someone that's a guy that's the, on the fringe, you know, out of respect of, of him kind of thing. Like it, it's tough to say, obviously, but that's something that could be in, in question. But if if that one team were to come in, I think it would be the Eagles because they have the assets. Um, picks-wise, obviously they have three picks this year, a pick they have the pick next year and the year after. They're not lacking in terms of draft capital. Mm-hmm. Some guys like like Landon Dickerson would be a guy I want um a player I want from them. Obviously, they drafted the wide receiver last year out of have I'm blanking on his name right now. Um, yeah, but but that that would be the team I would pin.
0: Yeah, I think so. Okay. Cause you, you get so much. Yeah, you get so much. Um, you know, flexibility. If you just to say you would get the the fifteenth and sixteenth pick in this draft, I think you know that's a that's certainly a gambit that you know that people that people want to you know want to play for. Um, and I think you know there's a potential that you can get. A lot of the payment done now and i think that could be a one way that the that the the club could sell it uh certainly to um to watson is that ultimately we've got three picks now you could ultimately give the three picks up on year one now you wouldn't want them all but you could say look we're picking you up we've still got you still got a first round pick there since so they gave up the first two or they gave up the you know the first and the third for example uh, you know, we've still got assets to rebuild. And I think, because that's the, that's the issue, isn't it, right? How did, how, you know, when it comes to ultimately the the decision making and the thought process from Magaletta and Watson, they've got to be careful. They're not going to a place that's given too much up to get them because ultimately he goes from one rebuild to another. And that's the whole, you know, in theory, that's the whole crux of his argument that he doesn't want to, you know, he wants to win and Tex- the Texans did not do enough to get him in a position to win um, and make his career successful. As he believes his talent um is is in a place to to be so I think Philadelphia is one while we've been recording again they're still kind of coming through day two's been a little bit quieter um, partly because you know the Watson Domino needs to fall I think and people know where their cap doors are going Uh, but Tyrod Taylor signed for a decent deal um, in in New York uh, for the Giants you know to back up to um to back up Jones so yeah I, I, you always kind of thought would they have a change of heart and I know the owner was categoric about not having there but you've got you know potentially a the 5th pick or the 7th pick there from you know the Chicago one they got from the Justin Fields trade last year to go and, to go and do that so you know there's there, there's other guys there and I, I it feels like the, the four and I know this is going to sound like a terrible half-baked theory here but if you look at most industries there is often four like accounting uh consulting companies all this kind of stuff to use a bit of Casario type references for everybody to get that in there but there's always kind of a big four Um, and four kind of feels like if you could have picked a number for a market the dynamics like we said in the the NFC South plus an ASA team that might want to have to overpay to get that who is actually the richest in its resources it feels like it's in a good place but um, where do you think it ends up Corey million dollar question I suppose
1: uh man! Apparently, New Orleans is in the lead right now, but it, it it's a question. It's a tough question, obviously, because there's no trade clause. But I think if say the no trade clause is he's open to any four of those teams, I think it's Carolina. I just think that David Tepper is just going to give up whatever he needs to go get him, and, and that that's where I, that's yeah. where I put
0: my money. And you think as well, like the any money that they put in. Um, and if you think of, and look, I've only been there once, so uh, this may be, uh, this may be, uh, not necessarily representative of it, but like for my time when I went to see the Texans in Charlotte in 2015, um, it very felt like, it felt very much like it's predominantly college is rules the roost in South and North. Obviously Charlotte's kind of on the border of, of South Carolina and North. But I think there's a, there's a... I thought there was a huge opportunity for that organisation to go and unite both states to have, you know, the reason why they're called the Carolina Panthers, you know, there's, there's, they, that is, you know, what they were, that was the origin of the, of the previous owner is, uh, is thought that, you know, when, when, you know, cause they're still a new ball club in, 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 uh, in real terms. So, you know, I think that the amount of, you know, cause remember we played them in preseason. and what, and uh, what's the rookie, or the amount of people that were there in Watson jerseys, um, the, the marketing, the off field, the merchandise sales um, have the potential to be astronomical. Certainly, from a, a smaller market team that they are now, and I think Watson's got the potential to to do that, just like he's got the potential in Atlanta. So you said, Car- so you 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 think Carolina? I'm gonna see Atlanta. They bring them home. They fight. They find a a, a novel way to sort that cap out. They may or may not trade Matt Ryan to somebody on a rework deal and get a pick back and then ship that on to us. It might even be a three-way trade. It seems the most unlikely, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go bold and say Atlanta and he goes back to his home state um, and probably does what he wanted to do as a boy and it might be the right place for him. It might, you know, leave all the kind of stuff that he's got behind, you know, because I think if he's ever going to get a, a raw deal, it was always going to be, you know, one of the East or West Coast teams. But if he goes back to his home state, I think that'll soften the blow of any of the perceptions of the on-field stuff, the negative PR. I think you could wrap that up in either Carolina or Atlanta. But since you're going with that one, I'll go with Atlanta. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see. And I think we're at the, at the moment right now where... This, could, this is, well, it will be, I think, Corey, the, the biggest trade in Houston pro sports history. And it might even be, hopefully, if, if Casario plays his cards right, it will be the biggest trade in pro football history. All going well.
1: I think so. I think it will be.
0: Yeah. Well, I think we've covered a hell of a lot tonight. Um, I just want to yeah. thank Corey for his time. Uh, much obliged, Corey, for jumping on first time on... Um We'll definitely do this again. Great discussion. And what is a, a crossroads moment for us all? And, you know, this will define the the next three to five years of this ball club. So he's got to get it right. Um, and all that praise out there and all the all the goodwill that Casario's had, and he's had a lot of it. Um, he's got to get the trade right. So let's see what happens in the next couple of days. Um, so, Corey, thanks, mate, for your time. Much appreciated. Um, thanks to everybody for listening again this week. We'll be back next week to hopefully go through the broader spectrum of maybe a trade um, it may or may not have happened by then odds on it perhaps will and some new blood free agents that have come in and just as we've just as we're about to break up here Corey it said the Texans have restructured Laramie Tunsil's deal and he's converted okay. 17.85 million salary um, to a 16.85 million bonus with a salary cap this year hit of 1 million dollars um, so they said they're going to go on but that that's a very very uh attractive deal to uh to trade for. Um his tw- <laughs> his 2023 salary remains unchanged according to Aaron Wilson who's been who's put him catapulted himself into uh probably the elite of, of breaking news um since he left the Chronicles. It's probably been the best thing for him, but there you go. Um Aaron Wilson breaking that news just as we wrap up here. So restructuring again. So there you go. Uh but I suppose if you trade him then the, sal- the dead cap hit um, will increase. We'll need to see what that dead cap hit works out off the top yeah, of my head. But sure. but interesting. Um, So, thanks again for listening. Um, if you are not checked out the website podcasttexas.com a number of trade scenarios out there and a couple of off-season articles as Casario's got a number of hoops to jump through from now in free agency right through to the draft and hopefully we can start seeing some progress finally after being on the edge of competitive in a long time. So thanks again for listening. Please like, share, review the podcast anywhere you can and uh, and we'll catch you again next week.